What's up and welcome to Wait Hold Up Podcast with Jessica Molina and Yarel Ramos. Each week, tune in as we have unfiltered conversations about careers, relationships, wellness, feminism, and of course, we'll often be joined by guests you either know or should know who will share their humor, knowledge, and their very own Wait Hold Up moments with us. Here at Wait Hold Up, we want you to feel like you found your crew, your girls who you can do life with. Listen, it's a crazy world out there and we can all use some help in our efforts to live our best lives. We don't have all the answers, but we're down to figure it out together. Thanks for listening. Here's our latest episode of Wait, Wait Hold Up. Hey everyone, Jessica here. Now, before we get into today's conversation, I just want to do a quick warning and let you all know that the conversation is around death and grief. So please keep that in mind. And also, this may feel like it's a bit late and that's because it is. We did record it a few weeks ago and it took us a while to get it up. But nonetheless, we still think it's a really important conversation for us to have. We hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Wait Holds Up. I'm Jessica. I'm Yarel. And we are just so happy to have you here. Happy to have you listening. Happy to have you joining us wherever you are. Yes, you know, this episode today, we're like, we're kind of getting into some deep stuff. We are. And we're recording this a week earlier than you're going to hear it. And right now, this week, I think what everyone has collectively been dealing with is the passing of Kobe Bryant. His daughter and a the seven, seven other. others that were on the helicopter with them when they crashed in the Calabasas area. Um, you know, it's hard. It's a hard time because I think processing death, processing the loss of anyone, whether you know them or not, is a tragedy like that. Just it's just like there's just no words. I think everyone collectively took a big gasp when they saw the news and I've been seeing on social media that there's been just a lot of different questions as to how to process it. And so I just want to get things like really clear from the jump. Like we're really, this conversation is about processing trauma and grief. I know that following Kobe's death, there was a lot of different chatter about his life and that's not what we're talking about today. And this is really about just like, if you've been triggered by this, if if you've, you know, if you're personally dealing with loss or death, This is what we want to talk about today. A big part of my life has been not really experiencing death, thankfully, so living in a constant state of fear. And so that's why I really wanted to have this particular conversation. For sure. What comes up for us, you know, it's different for so many people from loss to, you know, what it brings up in your life, what situations are triggered, what words, what situations are triggered. I think as a community, not just in LA, I think even just all over, everybody's been feeling these energies that come from a tragedy at this scale and a tragedy Mm -hmm. that's covered in all ways in shapes and forms, not just on the news, not just on our feed, in conversations with family, in conversation with friends. And and then also too, just being able to to have these these conversations with the people that we care about. We don't do it as much. And they just go like, okay, you know, we're good. But no, there's a sense of an energy shift when something like at this magnitude happens, when so many lives are lost, when it's like a, such a horrible tragedy, mm-hmm. um, when it's right next door to us, when it's 
someone that's beloved by a lot of people. And also too, like the conversations that come after for sure, just send us in a spiral of different things. What I'm feeling right, you know, what's going on with my coworkers? Why are we collectively just in a shadow? Mm. So I, yeah. And the, you know, I was on a shoot the yesterday, a video shoot, and the person that we were working with was supposed to skydive. And the creative had been approved a couple weeks ago. The artist that we were working with was like down and is experienced. But even though he was experienced, even though we all knew that we were going to be as safe as possible, it didn't end up happening. Uh, or no, him leading up to it, you could tell like there was some like anxiety on all of our parts, like the creatives, the production crew, everyone was just a little, there was like a pause that I think the week before none of us had. And that it was that reminder of mortality that we had just experienced. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know where any of you are at personally. I don't know if you've experienced the loss recently. I'm sure all of you at this point in your lives have probably experienced the loss in some way, some shape, some form. And these moments are, you know, we can't escape them. Yeah. So it's more like, how do we use them? And I think we use them by, like you said, yet like talking about it, by not, by not trying to just brush whatever feelings we have under the rug. Because I think that that is the survival mode that a lot of us get into and just like kick in and just like keep it moving get busy distract yourself schedule yeah Yeah, and and i think like don't deal with it yeah it and ultimately it finds a way to 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 surface and to come up um totally so you know we just really hope that wherever you're at whatever is going on in your life that you need to find someone who you could talk to please do so and we hope that this conversation is really helpful yet and i knew that we didn't have the answers for this So we brought in someone who we know can definitely, you know, help us out a lot more. And so who do we have today, Yerel? Today we'll be joined by Liliana Garcia. She's a licensed therapist that specializes in young adults in trauma, sexual abuse, and motherhood. And she also works with special programs in terms of grief and healing. Yes. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Liliana. Let's do it. Diana, thank you so much for being with us today. We've been feeling it for sure collectively, you know, as a community, as a city here in LA. And we just really want to talk to you about the work that you do, you know, and and help us out. I think because we're all going through it, like our emotions are all over the place. And, you know, we know that the work that you do is always very powerful with, with community. Yeah. First, I want to say thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be a guest in your podcast. And I'm a licensed psychologist and I specialize in trauma and I've been working with helping people kind of overcome and some of the traumas and people might not think that is a trauma is losses, Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about someone like an idol, like a celebrity, in this case, a very famous athlete. Many people might kind of minimize that's not trauma, you know, somebody just died, but it is still feel that way, especially because a lot of people are getting triggered. I'm seeing a lot of posts like this is reminding me of a loss of X, Y, and C in my family or, or even bringing the vulnerability of what death is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was a minor, I mean, several minors involved as well. So also all of that. Right. right. 
I definitely want to talk about all, you know, I want to break it down. Like, what is a trigger? Because I think there's also a lot of people who have never gone to therapy, who have never been able to speak about this. And so they get triggered all the time, but they just don't know that it is a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. The way I like to describe it is a trigger is a response to something that via sensory, it got a reminder of something traumatic in your life. And how I define trauma is that it's when there's an event, a situation, or a perceived threat that your body, it's not your mind, your body, perceived as a threat, and your body responded with a survival response. And some of the survival response are the fight, and that could be argument, the flee, which is like running away. Now they're talking about the fawn or appeasing, like trying to please others so I don't get hurt. And if our body perceives the threat is imminent, then we're going to go into more of a freeze, numbing, faint response. So that's why we call the mobilized and the immobilized responses. So when we lose people, usually we go to like different stages. And the first ones is usually like shock, like, no, this did not happen and all those kind of things. And depending on what that loss meant, our bodies can feel like a threat of like, I'm not going to have this person. So the body can go into all these different responses that I just mentioned. So that way, a trigger, again, can be like be a sensory, can be a news that you heard, it could be a smell, a sound, and it gives you a reaction. Sometimes how people can understand it is like you have an emotional reaction out of the blue, like you were going and you had this intense like palpitations, sweating, or got really angry, or got really like froze, you know how you get the chills, Mm -hmm. like if you feel like you're gonna crash into something, something like that, that your body reacts to it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've all in our own way been triggered. I think for me, the trigger that came up upon learning about Kobe's death and the death of of everyone that was on board particularly the fact that there were, you know, young girls in it was this feeling of, I've never really, I mean, I don't know if you ever learn how to process or get comfortable with death, but I never, when I was younger, I never really had anyone super close to me die. And then there was a traumatic loss in my family a couple of years ago. And that brought up a lot in me, just this insane fear. And this fear of, I don't know how anyone can continue to live if someone who they've relied on in their life has like dies. And it, you know, and it makes you want to just like hold on. And then a little bit of that, like I'm originally from New Jersey. And so a little bit of that, should I move back home? Should I be near the people that I love? Like, am I being selfish living 3,000 miles away from everyone? You know, and so you kind of get into the space of like, almost like reevaluating everything in life. And that is because I'm so afraid of death and the death of the people that I care about. Is that normal? It's normal. It's an existential reality. You know, there's that saying that we all come here and we all going to die. We don't know the day. A lot of people want to know and they go to psychics and they go to places like, yeah, tell me. But in reality, it's we don't know when we're going to die. And it's an existential piece. And then also, this was a very normal day. Like they were on their way to a champion or a game. So it was not like something that they was any perceived threat. Like they were not going to do and do sky jump, you know, jumping or anything like that. So and they've been on that chopper for I bet that yeah, was the route. Thousands of yeah. Years. 
Yeah. And I bet they used to do this a lot on Sundays, you know, since they live really far. So it's something that probably was minimized. As if you, in the mornings, when you say goodbye to your loved ones, like you don't go into thinking to something is going to happen to them. So I think this death, because it, it was so tragic, it just brings back those existential questions like, what am I doing here? What if my loved one dies? Am I showing them my love? And all this kind of thing. So then it brings another kind of complexity about what it is to be a human. And, you know, for me, it was a very shock for sure. And mind you, I work in news, so we deal with these things every day. I think, like, again, like a collective as a community, we felt it for many reasons, right? Because it's, it's because of social media, because of the digital spaces that we live in. And very similar to Jess, it was an, an idea of like, ah, you know, wh- where's my family at? What if this happens to them? What am I going to do? And going in through kind of like a survival mode too, like a checklist. And it's, it's been taking me through like this emotional spiral of like highs and lows, highs and lows. I don't want to go look at social media. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Where's my, co- where's my brother? Where's my cousin? Making amends with everybody. Like it's like, a, I don't know, like a psychological thing as well that I think a lot of people are dealing with. Yeah, it happened to me as well. I remember like I, this whole week, there was one night that I remember telling my husband, like, thank you for coming back, you know, and some, you know, we don't appreciate those things. And, and also like holding my son closer. And now I'm expecting a little girl as well. So it, it brought all that pieces, like, what if they die before, you know, because logically, you know, you, you think I'm going to die before them, at least with my son. But what if they die before something like that happens or an earthquake? There's been a lot of earthquakes right now happening in Puerto Rico, and there's been this whole thing about we're waiting for a big one. And it's like, what if it happens and I'm not able to communicate and all this kind of thing, so. That is so real for me because, again, I didn't grow up. You guys, when you were younger, did earthquake drills. I did fire drills, right? And so I'm like this grown woman, and I'm like, what the hell do I do? And then, you know, people are like, oh, you no longer stand under a doorway. Now you're supposed to do this. And I'm like, there isn't even like, the, all the information I thought that I knew is no longer the information I'm supposed to be following. And that, and, and you know, and that fear of, I was actually telling Yarel before we started, like I deal with control issues. I want to feel like I can control mm. things. And so much of this is I have no control. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how do I cope with knowing that things are going to happen to the people that I love, to myself, and I'm still going to, but I still have to live each day. I can't jip myself. I can't stay in my bed hidden under my covers as if, you know, it can, I'm, I'm immune and it's going to pass me by. And I feel like that's a human experience. And in science, we want to dominant and control things we want to dominate the weather we want to dominate we want to be able to understand everything and and there's nature and a lot of things that happens that are out of our control and our human minds just don't like that so I think in you know ego and all those kind of things but then something else that has helped me is also like seeing the other side how this whole situation is bringing a lot of people to reflect about that get closer connect and start showing each other, you know, like, because it was a reminder of how fragile our lives are. So bringing ourselves together. So like that piece is what I like to focus on, because that's the truth. That's what at the end of the day, 
you might remember if you're in, in your deathbed. That's what they say. It's usually the people that you love and the people that were with you. I, I read a quote a few days after the tragedy and it said, to feel affected by a death of someone you don't know is to realize that our reach, our impact, our energy extends beyond the circle we perceive to be our own. So just like a reminder to be careful with our words, with the things that we do, the things that we say, because after all, life is fleeting and we are all powerful. And, you know, I just kind of put things into everything, like the emotions and much like you said, we, we put our lives in perspective, like let's live each day out loud. Let's make the best of the days that we have here. Let's tell the, our loved ones that we love them. Let's reconcile whatever situations, relationships were broken. And then also too, for me, I think lately, it's also been the impact of social media and how it has an effect on our well-being and all these things that happen and how we're affected by the news that we see in our feeds. And we're watching these tragedies in real time, in our timeline. That to me, I'm like, there's like, there has to be a psychological effect to being on our phones and news coming into our phones all the time. It's been a very heavy end of year and start of the year. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of the posts like it feels like five months and we're still in January yeah. 30th, you know, and I feel like it's that collective heaviness, which again, it brings us to remind about the importance of what life is about. And are you doing what you came here to do? Are you enjoying that? Are you showing each other? Because things happen and they can happen at any moment absolutely and we've been blessed here in the u.s for the most part of not experiencing those kind of things but there's a lot of countries that have learned this or are going through way more things right now that they're like yep we know that what um what sort of techniques can people or what types of things can people do who are either triggered by this or just experiencing their own sense of grief or if they've experienced their own loss recently, what types of things do you recommend for people? If it's something like it's bringing losses in your life and memories, I would definitely say it's a good time to kind of pause. And if you have to take break from work and, and for that and find ways of reconnecting with those lost ones. Some people like going to, how do you call it, the, the cemeteries and or connecting with the family, maybe like doing family gatherings to talk about, like celebrate the life of the person that was lost and kind of like go again and to understand that grief is like an ongoing process. I don't think there's ever necessarily an end. Like today is, the, um, today is my grandma's, my deceased grandma's birthday and she died like five, six years ago and I still miss her a lot. Mm, but exactly. is that whole piece that my love for her continues regardless if she's not here. I miss her physically and I wish I could speak with her, but how can I connect with her? How can I remember the joy that we had, the jokes that, she, that, that we did and how she was and the lessons that I learned from her and applied them in my life? So it's a good time to pause and reflect. And then if you're feeling like you're going through, like unable to get out of bed or is becoming like, very into the helplessness, hopelessness, and definitely seek out. There's, I don't have them right now, but there's the hotlines for suicidal. There's the, also the LA hotline for mental health. I'll give it in a bit. But those kind of things to have them handy because some people can go there. It can be so to like far into despair that they feel like so hopeless and so helpless that they go like, this is not worth living. And if they've had any depression in the past, that could trigger the depression again. So just to be very mindful about that, recognize what gets you down that rabbit hole. And a lot of times keep being active 
with some things that you enjoy that helps to kind of prevent that. Connecting with supportive groups or supportive family, like like your support network. So that way, you know, to keep you and also checking on each other. This is a good time to check on each other as well. Sure. Yeah. And I love that if you can elaborate a little bit on that, like it's just like healing, you know, that just like healing comes in a lot of ways, right? For many people, you mentioned all these great ideas that especially when someone's going to something very tragic, but what about like the day to day, you know, like the journaling, the even just the clinical, like, is it also helpful to see a therapist, to see a psychologist? When do we know or when can we do that in our lives? Yeah. Because I'm a psychologist, of course, I'm going to recommend to seek out professional help. And at the same time, I recognize how difficult it can be. So finding someone that is helpful and that is supportive. But if you have a medical insurance, one of the simplest ways is just calling the number in the back and asking them to send you the providers near you. That would be one of the easiest ways. Because sometimes like looking into different places, like if you need someone right now, it can get overwhelming, especially like when we start going down the rabbit hole, we get overwhelmed very easily. So that would be one way. Others would be just seeking out like mental health providers. Day to day, I would say to kind of like how to try to keep as much as possible the basics. Keep eating like self-care. Eat well, try to go to bed well, like at the time and try to sleep. Continue with your drinks, with your water. If you are exercising, like keep trying to do all those kind of things that can help you as well. Because when we start feeling like all these emotions and we stop doing that, it also lowers our immune system. And right now we're in the flu season. So then if you get sick and all that kind of stuff, other things could just be like journaling. For some people, it helps when they journal about how they feel. For others, it kind of like just makes it worse because then you're thinking about it. So you can journal about other things. You can journal maybe doing yourself a letter about your higher self talking to you about how to help you. Gratitude. But when people are like really in that deep, they're like gratitude. I don't have gratitude for anything, but it could be like gratitude maybe for things that you want to bring into your life from a future self perspective, not necessarily from the present present. And I love doing the talking to yourself as your highest self, as a loved one. What would they say to you is like self-compassion. What do you mean talking to yourself as your highest self? Yes. So kind of imagining, I, for many people, it's kind of imagining like in your 10, 20 years or like this person that you imagine would be like your real self or kind of like who you aspire to be. And from that, who you aspire to be, let's say like you aspire to be someone that is optimistic, that is healthy, that looks for the good. So from that perspective, talking to you as if you're in the pain Mm. and at the same time, validating what it is, because I know some people can go like, just forget about it. Just Think positive. That's not going to work because if it's a somatic, it's a physical thing. So like doing things for your body, like doing mindfulness, walking outside and just trying to observe via your five senses that usually brings you to the present very easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the more that you come back here, then you stop the shatter of the past or the future in your mind. Yeah. You know, um, I think like we're talking a lot about us like experiencing it. And I think part of the work with dealing with trauma or grief is also wanting to be there for those in our lives who we see that are suffering. And I think it's always hard because when you want to be there for people, but you don't know what the right words to say are, and you don't want to come across as being insensitive or, 
you, and I know that sometimes just physically being there and being able to hold space with people is really powerful. What else what can people do who are just like, I want to be able to be there for you, but I just don't know how? A lot of people kind of want to say the right things or say this beautiful thing. And that's not necessarily, I feel like it's more the presence of not for the other person not to feel like you need to change them. If I'm the person suffering and I have someone that I feel they, they want to like make me feel wee and all that, I might be like, no, I'm not there now. I just need somebody to just be with me in the pain right now. And then maybe I can move there. So sometimes it's just being there, being like, I'm here for you and offering things like, can I do grocery shopping, little basic things like that to help and let the other person talk. Like, how do you feel? And just listening, like really listening. And what I mean with that is like reflecting back. Oh, I see that, that you're in pain or I hear that, you know, you're going through X, Y, and C and just repeating back what they say without an expectation of changing them. And when the other person feels validated, then they're able to move now to something else. But a lot of people forget that and they go like, hey, just cheer up and all this kind of very positive thing. And they're not meeting them where they are. And that becomes like dissonance and the other person shuts it down. Mm. I know that, you know, and obviously families are important. A lot of parents, I've seen it even at work. It's like, how do you have these conversations with your children? The conversations about loss, about a tragedy, about, you know, how do you explain to them? this is what happened and like in the physical realm of things you know and also the emotional part and that one is is really hard especially if the parent themselves are experiencing a lot of emotion turmoil as a result of that but one of the things is to kind of like it starts I would say from little but if you haven't to just start talking about those existential realities like talk about death to children yeah talk about death talk about death of course Children at the beginning, they, they're more concrete, so they might not understand. You know, some people want to talk like you die and you go to heaven and all these things, and it will be kind of confusing. So talk as an age appropriate, but to talk about it, talk like there will be one day that we won't be here because they ask about it. My son is four and a half and he already started asking. And I'm just answering his questions because I'm not going to say no, it's not going to happen because that's a lie. And he might have a friend down the road that might lose someone who's going, wait, you told me the other, you know, you Another told me story. a lie. Yeah. yeah. So just be honest in a very simple way. Like there will be a day that I won't be here, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to love you. And, and depending on your spiritual beliefs about that, then if you believe in afterlife or that you're in heaven, you can talk about that. And that, you know, if you believe in angels and you know how I can be an angel and protect you and be here. You know, but also like go into like, what are your beliefs? And that's the other thing that a lot, a lot of people don't think about death. And they don't think, what are their thoughts about it? What's going to happen right after? So this is also a good time to reflect on that. I wonder if that's a very like US culture sort of thing. Because I don't know a lot about other cultures and their experiences. But I feel like it is a very Western thing for us to sort of like, just act as if we're only ever going to live and like not think about the fact that we're ever going to die. And like I mentioned at the beginning where it's like, I feel like death for me is like, I'm a grown woman. I like to think sometimes. Um, <laughs> and I still feel like a child when it comes to that subject. And the movie that helped me sort of get a little bit more comfortable with death was Coco. And I remember when I saw it because, you know, I didn't grow up celebrating Dia de los Muertos or anything like that. And I grew up in the church. And so 
it was very much like a you die and go to heaven or you go to hell and like it was a, that black and white like mentality and obviously I was raised just in fear of like lord if I die I hope I go to heaven I don't know like what what yeah yeah and you know I think what Coco did for me was it made me really just love this idea that like someone dying doesn't mean that your relationship with them is over that you can still be communicating with them in your own way and that was so liberating in some sense. And I wish that we had more conversations on death because we are all going to be affected by it. We're all going to experience someone dying in our lives. We're all going to eventually die. And the fact that we never talk about it and are made to feel like this is something that we should be learning how to cope with, we like we enable people and we equip them to learn how to swim, you know, or, or mm-hmm. learn how to drive. Why are we not doing that for the part of life that none of us can avoid? I completely agree, you know, and I love that notion. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, so I was also not like Dia de los Muertos was thought to be something like very like scary, you mm-hmm. know, and and I was also raised very Catholic, you know, heaven or hell and there's some place in between. Purgatory. Purgatory, <laughs> yeah. My parents will be like not proud about it, that I did not remember that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but But the thing is, like, we never communicate necessarily about those connections. However, when I was 17, my maternal grandfather passed away. And I remember us, like, I was having dreams with him and all these things. And I would bring it in the family and they'd be like, oh, cool. But it was not like, yes, he's still here with us and all these kind of things. I don't know if that was their beliefs. Right now, it it is my belief. So with my son, that's how I talk to him. You know, that I'm still going to, my presence is still going to be here. Like, my love for you will continue. You know, I will never stop loving you. So that way it also helps reassure him that there will be some kind of connection. But that's my spiritual belief. But that's why I would say this is a good time to reflect what are your spiritual beliefs and and how to talk about that. And there's books. Right now I, I wouldn't be able to know one on top of my head, but you can, like, Google and go to a library and see books about children, about death and how to use them, or create a book yourself. Sometimes we think like we need to have a book. You can kind of just do like a little children don't need like fancy cartoons or like drawings to like stick in, you know, circles and sticks and describe and create a book and then, you know, write it and with just a regular pen and pencil and then use it to kind of share and they can share also how they will feel and all those kind of things. What happens when in the, like, you know, these situations, even with family, you know, it's also, I think, a sense of, yeah, the emotions that come in, but also the anxiety the stress that these situations sometimes create. Yes, this is a very good one because it also can create, the anxiety can kind of freeze you. Like I mentioned, the different responses and then people can become overprotective or like, no, you're not going to go there. I'm not going to do anything and all these kind of things because the fear of something bad will happen. And that's not a way of living either, you know, especially like I like thinking like how Kobe did a lot of things that he sounded like he was really happy about in terms of his professional life in terms of the books that he wrote and all those kind of things so kind of like that message about the importance of living he died at 41 so like remembering about living your passion and doing your excellence and perseverance and all that so when you start going that way how to recognize and how to apply different skills I would say the one skill that I love the most for anxiety is coming back into your body and that could be done. I love the five, four, three, two, one. It's a very simple exercise. And you can 
change the different senses, but I like thinking five things and you can say out loud or in your mind. What is it? What is a five? So or three? five things that you see, four sounds, three different textures, two different smells. And then if you have a glass of water or something near you, just take a sip. So like, and that you can do it in the car. You can do it as you're walking around and you think five, four, three, two, one. So, and you can vary the senses. The taste, it likes to be the one because you might not have different things to taste nearby. But that tends to let you come back into your body because you're going to forget and you're going to be like, wait, what is the smell? What am I touching? What am I hearing? And then usually if you're in a place that there's not that many sounds, you have to like really focus. What are the sounds? And then something else that can be helpful is like when somebody's really panicking, my go-to, especially if they call me and they're in their home, is grab a frozen bag of veggies or fruits and put it in your neck, in your forearm or in your thighs that's going to snap you out. Really? Yes. Why? That's like so random. <laughs> because when somebody's like panicking and all that, that's going to give you like a shock and you're going to feel another intense sensation because it's going to be super cold. And now you have to shift your attention to the, this is cold. For some other people, if they're feeling like they're about to faint or like numbing, like warm stuff, like a heavy blanket. Maybe if you have a heat pad, I know that takes time to heat it up, like put it in your feet and kind of like make yourself heavy press against the wall, like put your back against the wall and like do like a squat, like a wall squat, because you, you have to be balancing in that, you know, and so it kind of like brings you back or push against the wall. For people that are into exercise, a burpee, you know, jumping jacks, that will stop the shatter because you have to come to the body. Yoga poses, balancing poses. Mm. But so that's why it's usually like a level, like usually like if you need to snap out of it, I like to use the bag of ice or something warm. And then you can do the five, four, three, two, one. And then you can do the push something like several different things. And that's why I feel like it's so important to explore what works for you in what ways. Mm-hmm. And then have that like an imaginary backpack, but actually have those things. Smell is the most primitive sense. It goes straight to your brain. So if you have a smell that you have found that helps you, that would be one thing to have. So I love essential oils as well as something like that. Something like a gum with a specific flavor, you know, those cinnamon that are very strong or something like that. Something because scent, if you have a scent that makes you feel comfort and safe, that sends the signal straight to your brain right away. So that's one of... What about time? Like, I feel that sometimes we talk about loss, we talk about trauma, we talk about these experiences that we have to heal from. Is there a timeline in terms of, you know, actual time? that you follow or that you look out for in people? I would say there's usually like we call for a clinical depression, which is usually like an episode that lasts two weeks. But it has to be intense enough that is disturbing your daily functioning or something in your life. Um, So if you're feeling like this despair, this sadness that's not letting you get out of bed, that is interfering with your work, with your eating, and it's been two weeks consistent like on a daily basis, then that would be a, a good sign that it would be a good time to seek help ASAP because you might be going to a depressive episode, well, what we call. And, but for grief itself, it's really hard to put a timeline on it. But unusually, like I would say, like I start seeing, depending on the situation, I mean, right now I, I cannot imagine what Vanessa Bryan is going because she lost a husband and a daughter. But you know, depending on how close and how's the support that you have, 
usually between months, you start feeling a little bit more like you might start doing your daily habits and you might feel a little bit more yourself. But there's usually a period that you just feel like, who am I? Kind of where am I? And that's part of life. And that's why I don't like to kind of like diagnose grief because it's a human experience. Being a human is hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah. I'm like, you know, months ago we had on Milana Snow. And I remember the one thing I always remember about that episode was that we kept saying like, the work never ends. And I feel like the older I get, the more I'm just reminded it's a never ending cycle. It's like yeah. every day is there's a, something to find joy in and there's something that can easily bring you right back to re, down to reality. And it's tough, man. Yeah. And then like with the current news cycle too, where we know we are like, it's an overflow of information. And for the most part, what is it? It's viruses. We're, the world is going to end. We're doomed. War. Death. You know, death from people that, you know, we look up to. Death from people like all around us. Sadness. Tragedy. It's, it's like, how do, how do we do it? Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to be able to kind of, today I was talking with many of my clients about this, to kind of balance and limit, if you feel like it's getting too much, to limit some of that exposure, social media, the news. I know people that go to bed watching CNN, wake up watching CNN, and throughout the whole day, they're getting the news and the apps in the phone and, and then in social media and Facebook. and. Moments like this, it also takes for people to be very opportunistic and they take chance and they create false stories mm. or false images. I remember in Puerto Rico, there was images and it was like, no, that's, that's a false image or, you know, something like that for the earthquakes. And it scared people, right? It's yeah. a scary, yeah. But, you know, you get popularity and all those kind of things. So to take time for that and also to remember to keep watering your cup because mm. in times like this, we feel like we have to take action. We have to do stuff, but we also forget to take care of ourselves and by not taking care of ourselves. And that's why I keep saying, you know, keep eating your daily, you know, how you were eating, keep like walking and having some movement. If you want to do exercise, try to go to bed and maybe stop watching TV or anything with, and you know, any electronics, any devices past a certain age, time, not age. And <laughs> yeah, what, listen to music. Yeah. There's YouTube is, you know, it's free. It has ads. But there's a lot of music that you can find there. Like there's those that had the 423, 423 hertz songs and ambient to kind of help also with your brain to balance your brain waves and to kind of relax and get you more in those kind of wavelengths that are associated with states of relaxation and sleep. And maybe this would be a good time to maybe watch some shows that are comedy or, you yeah, know, stuff like that. Better, yeah. 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 But keep watering your cup. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, I think keep watering your cup is hard, especially because yeah. so many people feel like they want to just take care of others or this is like a moment for action. And, you know, even as Yarel was saying something about, and, and also you, Lidiana, about just like this is the time for us to remember. We only have this one life and live it to the fullest. I feel like that concept can also be very anxiety-inducing, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Because then there are people who are like, well, I don't love the job that I'm in. or I'm going to quit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's like, it's about figuring out the balance, which I mean, is it everything? Of maybe taking like one action a day, like that is something that is a matter of 
today is a day I'm just going to be more focused on like being kind to people, right? Like this idea of like you only get one life to live doesn't mean it's like you've got to go after the bucket list. It's about just being like more present and being more at peace and finding more joy and being good to others. It doesn't have to be these crazy ambitious goals that we have to feel like we have to set at this point that's so funny that you say that because literally when I was driving here I was talking to a friend and I told her I'm like this whole situation of living my best life and living my life out loud and being on my authentic life has also got me in the mode of I'm not doing enough and I, and I haven't accomplished enough and why am I still slacking on this and why haven't I achieved this and why haven't bu- I bought all these things so it's like a domino effect. yeah it's like it opens up a lot of things but yeah. it's also and I loved what you shared about it's hard, you know, it's hard to finish out that list of all the things that you want to do, but just being a little consistent on like, you know, little, I'm going to drink, I'm going to be more conscious about drinking water this week and I've achieved it. I'm going to be more conscious about, you know, eating my greens and I've achieved it. I'm going to be more conscious about my meditation. So all these things, I know these moments kind of take us into like a little bit of emotions and all these. But that's, that's the key. That's the key. If you feel that urge to do something and it's like you're the more you start learning about your body you will recognize when you're in this regulated mode it's like this adrenaline like i have to do it now from fear then that's not going to be necessarily helpful unless you have the lion chasing you and you Mm -hmm. have to take action so also how to like be able to that's why regulating the body using your senses and all those kind of things that we were discussing to first come back down and then be able to access your ability to think and rationalize and then you can maybe make a list of all those things that came into your mind and be like how can I start also living my best life with what I have right now you know like it doesn't have to change right away because a lot of times we're seeking this happiness this joy after we accomplish x y and c and then when we accomplish it if we were accomplished in survival mode we don't enjoy it that has happened to me many times so how to like really embody it and be like in my current job, yes, maybe I don't love it. But what can I do today to leave it a little bit better? Can I interact a little bit more with my coworkers? Can I be more kind to them? Can I maybe put music as I'm working to make this a little bit more easy and more fun? Like, what can you start changing right now, even if it's a small thing, and not feeling like you have to quit everything and go and all these kind of things? Right, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think I think that's a good place to yeah, leave it. I that's love yeah. your cup and doing it a little bit each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, yeah, Liliana. Welcome. We appreciate welcome. you. And I think also, you know, we talked about this and I've sort of said I'm a big fan of therapy. And I yeah. think that within the Latino community, we know within people of color, we just are, we were never been supported enough to go out and seek help. And I just hope that this conversation has inspired anyone who just sort of is like, I want to talk to someone like Lidiana, you know, yeah. do it because it's so, so helpful. I love, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say it again, I love me some therapy, man. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to chat, chat, chat. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I recently got into, Jessica has been very about therapy, so I started and I love it as well. I think it's such a great space for me to just really be vulnerable and talk to someone that's kind of like from outside. So I completely... um on it about it but also you know thank you so much I know we touched it's the basics of, of mm-hmm. this conversation I, there's so much more that we can talk about this and this subject and I know that a lot of you have been 
reaching out on like the social platforms to seek, you know, advice and you have a healing circle as well that you, yes. you, know, you want to talk to us about. So it already kind of started, but I am still offering for the people that I want to do a more self-paced on their own. So before I say that, I also want to say that I do have the easiest way be on my Instagram, Garcia. Over there, you can find a link to get a self-regulation plan. And that way is what I was talking using your five senses and different. So like so all that, these things are all there. these things are there. Mm, so you can explore them and practice them and create your little bag. And it also I include like a support network. So have people like if you're feeling sad, who would you call? Or even if it's an animal that you want to cuddle or whatever, all that. So all that is there and it's free. So the healing circle, it's called the healing village. It's a program that just launched last week and it's applying seven of what I consider the 10 key elements in the healing trauma journey. And they are number one, effective coping skills, which part of it is a self-regulation plan. Number two, exploring your future self, which is your real self, like really going into who is this person that you came here to be before your parents molded you, society and all the other BS. Number three, intergenerational trauma and collective trauma, because all that have an impact. Four, healing the inner children. So anything about any inner child wounds. Six is about releasing shame and guilt, because we take it that is our fault. Six is forgiveness and grief and forgiveness, because we have to forgive ourselves and others. And the last one I feel is healthy relationships, because you can do all this work, but if you're in still very unhealthy relationships, you will continue to perpetuate trauma symptoms and patterns. So that's part of what that program is. And right now, the experience that people can have joining it and having a communication with me and the support network amongst the women that join it already started. However, if anybody's interested to do it on their own, they'll be able to get the modules, the guided meditations, and a workbook of each module. That one you can also, that's the more the self-paced one. Mm, that sounds nice. amazing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm hey, like where do yeah. I go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And they can find that on your website. Also, What's- yeah, it's com or it'd be on my Instagram. That's the easiest one. Yeah. Dr.Lidiana Garcia. And Lidiana is like Lydia. So L-Y. D-I-A-N-A Garcia. And over there in the link tree, you'll be able to find the links for the Healing Village program. And also for the self-regulation plan that I just mentioned. Right. And we'll also post yeah, all we'll of post that too this. so that everyone can have access to it. Liliana, thank you so much. And thank you for your work and for just yeah. coming on the show today and really helping us to process a lot of what we're feeling and giving us some tools to just take each day, day by day. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And one last thing I want to say is that hope is it's possible. It's possible that you start feeling yourself again. This is going to kind of like... It's a good time to reflect, but also to apply different things, but that it would stay the same. It won't. Nothing stays the same. Mm, thank you. Thank Welcome. You. Yeah, you know, I feel like I spoke about my own personal experience with death growing up. What about you? Like, did you have anyone that you lost really close to you or was death something that you talked about? Did you celebrate like Dia de los Muertos? We weren't huge on Dia de los Muertos in my family. I know my parent, my mom's family has been and they do a lot of gatherings and celebrations and well, not so much celebration, more like prayer and go to the cemetery. My dad's family wasn't as much, 
But I must say that I had deaths when I was younger. I was really young when like a cousin of mine passed away in a very tragic accident, you know, and also recently like a, like an aunt passed away not that long ago, an aunt that I, that I loved dearly. For me, I think every time something like this happens, because I work in news and because I'm constantly talking about death and constantly talking about tragedy and again, the world's going to end and we're awful human beings. Whenever we go into these situations, I honestly do feel like it comes like it comes all together. So for me, this past week has been one thing after the other. It has been like death and viruses and then fires and all these things that we go into breaking news mode. So mm. what I just do is like the survival mode. Which so you don't process it. Huh? So it's some it's really hard for me to even just sit down and process it because it's just what's the next thing? Like right. the next thing overshadows what just happened. So, OK, this happened. But now we have a situation where we're all going to be infected with this and that or World War Three. So it becomes like not so much that it, it's not important anymore, but then that's the new headline or that's the new breaking news. And I feel like in some ways, because I've been in news for so long now, it kind of overshadows my personal life as well. And like how I cope with these things, like do I even have time to go home and sit down and sit down with my own feelings? You know, not as much. I mean, sometimes whenever we had, you know, we, we talked about it a few months ago when it was earthquakes and fires. It's like we don't have time to breathe sometimes. It's like you go home with with your work. You don't leave it at work. You have to, you know, impeachment and what's happening with the census and what's happening with the elections. And then there's earthquakes and you got to be up to date and you got to know what's going on and you got to know the death toll. And 100 people have been have died because of this. And so it's it's like a cycle for me where I have to completely disconnect myself, completely just leave my phone off and go somewhere where I'm not immersed in all of it, because that's the only way that I kind of just clear some space yeah. otherwise there's like so much noise and in terms back to in terms of death just in my personal life I, I remember being a little girl and my cousin that was really close that was close to me in age passed away but you're so young and all I remember was just listening to my nah songs that were sad because that was kind of like my connection to the situation but I didn't really understand it until I was older and then you realize how these situations bring up how fragile life is and this idea that we talk about all the time and it's like living living your life out loud being as authentic as you can be because there's one thing for sure that we know in life is that we're mortal beings and we're all gonna pass you know and then also too like what you mentioned about your loved ones and am I doing this right and am I spending enough time that's just something that constantly comes up but I feel like it constantly comes up for me because I'm just I'm a cancer. I'm an emotional person. I'm very close to my family. So it's just always, yeah, it's yeah. always going. Like, are you guys okay? Is everything functioning well? Are you happy? So yeah, it's, I don't know, for sure. These conversations, you know, bring up so much in the realm of the things that we do in our daily lives and also how we feel about death. Because I don't think I've had a conversation with any of my close friends. Yeah, I mean... Following this incident, I definitely think, you know, I spoke about it with my partner and my mom and um, and I hit up my dad. I was like, I, I felt like I needed to talk to my dad right ah. after this, right? Because obviously, you know, two fathers and their daughters right, passed. Right, right, right. Um, and it was like that immediate sense of like, nothing makes you feel more like you just want to be like home and like... Right. With mom and dad and like in like their little arms or not little arms, but like, you know, <laughs> my little arms and their little arms. <laughs> but 
I love a lot of what Lidiana said, and I think that it's a it's. I know that for me, it's it's a hard process. So I feel like for people who are sort of like hearing her words and wondering, well, how do I put them into practice? Like, just like you're not alone, because I think like that's all of us. And and I know I mentioned I'm like, I'm a grown woman and I should have it together. Like, I think that's also bullshit. Like, there's a part of me that's just like. Who no, you're you're never going to be in control yeah. of this emotion or this together? feeling, right. and it's still so much to process, and it's still so much out there. And I know she talked a lot about what our own beliefs are, and I think like all I can say is if you are the praying type, the one thing I know that I believe that you can offer people and you can offer yourself in these times is just to like keep praying. Yeah, those good thoughts. Yeah, those. Those thoughts of love and yeah. You know what's crazy right now that you mentioned that and we were talking about friends. I did have some of my friends and I every Christmas time we get together and we celebrate. We have a dinner. And a few years ago, one of us was like, yeah, we're talking about death. And it was just one of those like, no, I want to die. I want to pass before my parents because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I want to experience. And then it's like, well, that's very, very self. I was like, well, I'm selfish because they're going to suffer. So, you know, the, the cycles of life, all these things that like we're very, we're not certain of, but I do remember we made a list. We went around and we all talked about what we wanted to happen at our funeral. Mm. We're like, you're going to follow this list. This is the picture that I want. This is what I want. My grave, like all things like, no, I don't want, I want to be, my ashes to be thrown in the ocean. I want to be like planted and then a tree to grow from my ashes. So, like all these things that now that I look back, some of us were having a hard time with it. So I was like, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Why are we, you know, why is this even a That's conversation? Like I'm stuttering this entire episode. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's so hard. Yeah. And now as, as we went along with it, we were more comfortable with it. Mm. We're like, no, 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 no. I want white flowers. No, no, no. I want this. When it's just like the conversation of like, yeah, death is, it should be, a na- it's, it's such a natural thing, but it's not a natural conversation. It's not a natural conversation. And I want to work on that. Like, yeah. I want to. Um, and for the record, everyone needs to be wearing hot pink jumpsuits at my funeral. Okay, that's what you... I'm going to make... I'm going to... Yeah, if, we're going to remember you know, that. It's, it's funny that you say that thing about... Or not funny, but it is what it is. About, like, someone saying, like, I want to die before my parents. Because, again, I grew up in that type of church where I was like, I just want the rapture to come and for all of us to go at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. But it don't look like that's happening any any day soon. So so I just I'm just, you know, praying for everybody out there who's going through yeah. their own battles and struggles right. and whatever is going on because we're sending y'all love and you know, we talk about this podcast as being about like figuring out how to live our best lives and that is also about being able to cope with death. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We send you love, we send you good vibes, good energy for whatever you're going through, for whatever you're feeling. You know, collectively, I think we all are very powerful when we when we do this for each other, when we check on each other, when we make sure that we check on ourselves as well to help out our neighbors, our loved ones. So, yeah, you know, the good vibes are just overflowing to you. Whatever it is that you're going through, we send you love. We send you gratitude as well for being in the space with us. Yeah, we'll catch y'all later. Bye. Bye.